It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Hello, 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 Gamecock fans. It's Tuesday, February the 11th, 2020. Still sounds weird saying that. J.C. Sherbert here with the Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily. Lots going on uh, with football. Uh, talked about the coaching stuff uh, that developed over the weekend. Uh, got the latest. Um, of course, Tracy Rocker and Drew Hughes were hired yesterday. Tracy Rocker coaching the defensive line. Uh, I will tell you this. I've talked to a number of contacts about that hire. And, you know, I guess some Gamecock fans out there, I, I didn't see very many, but some Gamecock fans out there were a little disappointed in the hire because maybe some Georgia fans and Tennessee fans didn't like the way Tracy Rocker recruited. Um and I was told that, you know, people internally that monitor this stuff with the football program are stunned. They're stunned. They're, they're, we literally just hired, we meaning them, uh, the best defensive line coach in the country. Uh, one of the best guys that, that, you know, that just coached on all the levels, the NFL, put guys in the NFL, great developer of talent. You know, they're like, yeah, he's not a guy that's a, a big star rating Uber recruiter, but he's like, we can recruit, uh, and we've got talent here, and then there's more talent coming. So uh, I've, I've been kind of surprised about that myself. You know, Tracy Rocker, uh, you know, every program has its needs. And, you know, I, I think at Georgia maybe the philosophy is, because if you look at Georgia, the whole reason they hired Kirby Smart is they want to catch Alabama. And I get that. And one of the ways that you can argue that you can catch Alabama, you know, my, my philosophy for them is, Play better when you have them beat. You know, don't give up that pass uh, in, in overtime to lose the national championship game. You know, don't run that fake punt in the SEC title game. Uh, that pass back in the Richt era in 2012, you know, don't fall down. Score. Uh, <laughs> that will help you pass Alabama is beating them consistently. Uh, but I think one of the philosophies there is, you know, recruit a little better. And honestly, there were times during the Rick era where, you know, they would take guys out of Georgia and they probably weren't the right ones. You know, maybe misevaluated it. Same thing happened to Mac Brown at Texas. Uh, when you're in a talent-laden state like that, you know, so you gotta you gotta select the right ones. And um, so I I don't disagree. There was a recruiting issue at Georgia. I just you know I don't know that nationally hyped star rating guys are, are the way to go because I. I think for years Alabama has recruited at that level, and you look at their classes, and it's sick. It's you know the lowest rated guys like a four star guy. But if you notice, a lot of those guys that rank at the bottom of their classes end up being some of the better players. Um, they take the right guys. You know they'll go and take a Minka Fitzpatrick out of New Jersey because he he is a great player. They don't, they didn't take him because he's a five star. They took him because he fits their mold. You know, taller DB, will play special teams, loves football, you know, checks the boxes. And so I, I, think, I think the evaluation process at Alabama has been the secret sauce, not the star ratings. And I think as a recruiting industry, uh, over the years, you see how well Alabama evaluates. And, you know, people talk about the Bama bump and all that. But, you know, if you have a proven track record of evaluation, I don't care if you're Nick Saban at Alabama or Gary Patterson at TCU, you know, your players are going to get looked at um, and evaluated with, with more scrutiny. You're going to dig more data. You're going to want to rank them higher. 
that type of thing. Um, but but I understand. I understand at Georgia, Kirby Smart, the whole idea is to catch Alabama. If you don't have, you know, ten guys on your staff that are just alpha recruiters that are ballers, you know, chances are, you know, it's not going to work. Um, and and I get that. So I get why maybe they were a little uh, disappointed. Uh, Rocker was not a guy that originally uh, was in their plans, and they ended up keeping him. He was coming to South Carolina. Uh, and so he goes to Tennessee. And what's funny is you, you – and, and, look, some of my Georgia guys have reported very publicly that the Aubrey-Solomon situation was not what did it for Rocker in terms of him leaving Georgia and going to Tennessee. It, it was a number of things. But, you know, there was all that talk about how Rocker lost Aubrey-Solomon. Aubrey-Solomon goes to Michigan – obviously transfers, which was no surprise, and transfers to Tennessee to play for Tracy Rocker. So, I mean, it's not like the guy doesn't develop relationships with recruits. And, you know, Tennessee's recruited some good defensive linemen, and I think South Carolina will do the same thing. You know, there are guys out there that, that are, you know, stud Uber recruiters that maybe aren't great coaches. There's evaluators. You know, what what Tracy Rocker does, in my opinion, is he can take the highly rated guy, coach him up, and maximize him. But he also can take the guy that, that maybe is a little raw, that needs developing, and he can develop him. Um, and you look over the years at South Carolina, and I thought Lance Thompson, although it took him a while because you had you know some guys on that D-line like Dante Sawyer and Ulrich Jones and Taylor Stallworth that had struggled with injuries. Uh, Dante, in particular, you know, got in – out of JUCO, you know, he had to go through the Deke Adams and Lorenzo Ward deal and then transitioned to what Muschamp and those guys wanted, missed all of spring practice twice in the offseason because of injuries. Taylor Stallworth had some injuries, uh, Ulrich Jones. And, and if you look at by the end of 2017, that D-line was playing pretty good. I mean, they had a pretty good go of it. You know, those seniors, and you remember the Outback Bowl, South Carolina's defensive line dominated Michigan. Well, then let's fast forward to the John Scott Jr. era. As short as it was, he, um, I think he helped get Javon Kinlaw to that next level. Uh, Kinlaw was healthy, and Kinlaw does a lot on his own. But, you know, he had a senior there. He had Kobe Smith, who played really good ball. Um, I thought he brought along Zach Pickens pretty well. Rick Sandage up and down, but um, – Made some moves there, too. Jabari Ellis was a guy that, that got better. So, you know, I, I think he did that. And then on the, on the recruiting trail, and, and this is something – this is an area where Lance Thompson struggled at South Carolina, believe it or not. He really struggled in recruiting. Um, you know, John Scott Jr. landed Tonka Hemingway and Alex Huntley, you know, two four-star guys from within the state that you wanted. So, I, you know, I thought he had a nice blend. Um, I think that Tracy Rocker – is a better, more proven defensive line coach, obviously, as far as developing guys uh, and maximizing guys uh, than John Scott Jr. That's nothing against John Scott Jr. because I think he did an excellent job. And it was, uh, you know, him going to Penn State. You know, obviously there are people out there that recognize his work. But, you know, Tracy Rocker is a – I mean, heck, I remember when the guy played, you know. He's from Atlanta, you know. He's got – Ties. I mean, I, you know, I just don't think that, you know, when, when you're Georgia and Tennessee, uh, and, and keep in mind about Tennessee too, Tennessee is a program that is built on 
going out and signing top five recruiting classes. You know, that's that's the way they've been good over the years, you know. And so, you know, you kind of look at it like that, and, you know, you got a guy that maybe he can, he can develop them and coach them up, and, but he's not like this dynamic guy on the recruiting trail. You know, maybe you do kind of feel like, well, you know, we need to get more out of that. But at South Carolina, the interesting thing is, is that you, you have two D-line coaches. You, you know, you got Mike Peterson coaching ends and bucks. And you got Tracy Rocker now coaching the, the rest of it. So Mike Peterson was the lead recruiter on Jordan Birch. Um, he doesn't really take a back seat to very many people as far as being able to recruit. And, and so you have that, and, and you have enough good recruiters on the staff, uh, I think, to where you know Tracy Rocker doesn't have to go out and – and do whatever. I also think this, you know, South Carolina has access to talent. There's something called access to talent with every program. And when you look around the state of South Carolina, every single cycle, even the, you know, the angst causing 2021 cycle, there's a lot of D linemen out there um, in both Carolinas that South Carolina can land. And a lot of these guys, and we've seen them over the years, you know, everybody, Devin Taylor, John Abraham come to mind. Um, that, you know, they're good and they have tons of potential. Gaines Adams I'll throw in there. Philip Merling I'll throw in there if we want to be balanced. Um, good, good players, but they have to be developed. And if you're at South Carolina, you know, your chances of keeping those guys in state, you know, everybody from the Jordan Birches and Jadevian Clownies of the world down to the, the Aldrich Fordhams of the world that you have to develop or the Devin Taylors, you know, you're at South Carolina, you know, that's going to be normally what you're getting. Now, you may go surprise and pull a guy from out of state or whatever. And, you know, quite frankly, if you're just looking at star ratings the last two years, the last two cycles, the Gamecocks are averaging about a 92, which is a low four-star, all their defensive linemen. Um, but you're also going to have guys you need to develop. I mean, you look, I look at Justice Boone. I mean, a lot of teams are offering him. I will tell you, he's a raw player. It's going to need to be developed. But, I mean, his upside is way up there. You know, the kid from Gaffney, Ingram Dawkins, you know, development, development, development. Um, so, I and there's some in North Carolina, too, for 2021. So, I, I think that, yeah, maybe, you know, in the world of we've got to go sign all these five stars or we can't be good or we can't catch Alabama – uh, which I don't know that that's true. I mean, I, I honestly, I, you know, Tennessee signed uh, – how many top ten classes did Butch Jones sign? And, and I swear to God, I was shocked. I, th- I thought they'd be back, but they didn't. Um, you know, Georgia has not caught Alabama yet. <laughs> uh, you know, number one class and all. Um, you know, so I don't know that that's true, but, but in that world with those schools and the philosophy, you know, maybe that's the deal. But – you, you talk to people at Tennessee and, and universally, you know, they're like, this guy got the most out of a defensive line that we had serious questions about. And they were, you know, you don't win six games in a row. I don't care who you're playing um, without being competent on the defensive line in the Southeastern conference. I and mean, that's just the bottom line. And so, uh, I, you know, I think it's a home run hire. I will stand on, the box and say that you know and, and I, I I know that there's been a lot of ballyhooed hires uh, over the years and uh, you know I, I go back to the the Spurrier change to, to some of the guys and 
you know, hey, on the field it was working out for a couple of years. And Gamecocks are still winning games with Everett Sands and Kirk Bodkin and Deke Adams on the staff. But, you know, I, 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 I believe this one is sneaky outstanding. And I would encourage all of you out there, don't, you know, respect fans and their opinions of other schools and understand that, you know, they probably have reasons for saying what they say. But for South Carolina, this is a fit. Because, again, you're not at Georgia or Tennessee. You know, the secret sauce of South Carolina with the D-line has always been, okay, you got some guys that are studs, ballers, uh, and then you got some guys that can be studs and ballers, but they have to develop. You know, Brad Long is probably the most successful, you know, outside of Jim Washburn. You know, Brad Long is probably the most successful D-line coach ever in the history of the school. You know, Sparky Wood staff, Brad Scott staff, Steve Spurrier staff. And that was Brad's philosophy. You know, he'd go find guys. You know, he got the guys that were the no-brainers, but he also go find guys. You know, I mentioned John Abraham before. Uh, one of the better ones, Devin Taylor, obviously. I mean, you know, you, the list goes on and on and on um, as far as defensive line. It's a, it's, a, it's a position that South Carolina is fortunate, um, you know, in, in terms of geography with. You know, you can go find guys. You know, South Carolina, really, it was inexcusable for South Carolina to get as down as they were on the D-line you know, through the, the end of the Spurrier era and earlier. Um, you know, and I think, quite frankly, I think 2017 or 2018, uh, where the D-line really wasn't that good and you had a bunch of injuries and stuff, I, I think 2018 is going to be the last year that you'll see it. Because I, I thought 2019 was a, a mass improvement, especially you had, you know, games like the Georgia game where, boy, that, that group really played well. Um, and I think it's only going to get better under Tracy Rocker. And so that, that's my case, my, my talk about Rocker. Yeah, I mentioned Drew Hughes getting hired. I, I talked about him yesterday. Kind of the same guy as Matt Lindsay. Um, I know Drew's got a great reputation. I know a lot of people that know him. I do not. Um, and he can slide right in. And I don't think the Gamecocks are going to miss a beat. And, you know, Matt Lindsay's got a, you know, going to go be basically an athletic director out there. I was told that last night by a good source. You know, they're like, man, people are panicking about Matt Lindsay leaving, but he's going to go be an athletic director essentially, and he wants to be a NFL GM, and you know, that guy, I mean, you got to go chase your dreams, and you know, at South Carolina with Will Muschamp, there, there's not that GM position. You know, Lane Kiffin probably is a guy that you know, Lane Kiffin, what does he do? He likes recruiting, likes offense, you know, Probably a lot like Steve Spurrier uh, in the sense that, you know, that's kind of how he runs things, except he likes recruiting. Um, and uh, that's kind of it. He's not Nick Saban. So he can hand the reins over to somebody to kind of help with some of the other stuff. That's not, Will Muschamp's not it. Will Muschamp's very de- detail-oriented. Um, he's not a control freak, but he likes to kind of – look and, and manage everything, which you should do as a head coach because at the end of the day, you're the one getting fired uh, if uh, things don't work out. So uh, I don't blame him. So, so there's no position like that at South Carolina. Um, and so, look, Matt Lindsay leaving, that's fine. Drew Hughes, replacement, obviously was the first choice the first time around, as was Tracy Rocker. Uh, you take two people from Tennessee, you know, hey, life is good. 
Um, and, and I reject the whole like notion that because Tennessee fans or, or media is reporting, well, he wasn't going to get renewed. Tracy Rocker, that is. Uh, I reject the notion that you just don't hire the guy. I mean, you have to understand who Tracy Rocker is, do a little research, uh, and, and that'll tell you that, that he's the right guy. That's the bottom line. Um, and, look, I know that that's probably like 2% of you out there or, or pro- maybe nobody that's even listening to this podcast that didn't like the hire, and it's your right as an American and a Gamecock fan to not like the hire. But I, you're not going to do any better. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. You're not going to do any better than, than hiring Tracy Rocker. Uh, as your D-line coach. And, and good news is South Carolina, uh, and I'll have the D-line class breakdown for you guys uh, in the near future. Uh, got a J.C. and Morgan podcast recording today, so I don't know if I'll get to it today, but it'll be this week. Um, you know, you got a good, lot of good defensive linemen coming in and that are there. Uh, you know, the, the thought of Zach Pickens and Rick Sandage being coached up by Tracy Rocker has to be intriguing to anybody given the enormous upside and potential both of those guys have. Um, you know, and that's going to help the Gamecocks possibly, possibly, you know, turn this turn the thing around next year, which is it's very important that they do. So Rockers in. So this brings me to the next thing, the running backs coach job. Now Thomas Brown, of course, Left for the NFL, again, all these guys left for great opportunities. Uh, the Rams obviously have been successful. Sean McVay, obviously, great reputation. You get to go out there, work in Los Angeles, new stadium. I talked about all that yesterday. Um, you know, Thomas Brown does a good job, and so I get it. I get, uh, I get why they made the hire. I get why he went. Um, Des Kitchings, who was at NC State, who's – Probably, if you if you had to name one guy that's the best recruiter in the state of North Carolina over over a period of eight years or so, I, I'd say it's Des Kitchings. Um, you know, North Carolina kind of dipped a little bit. I mean, I, I could even argue that Des Kitchings is probably responsible for Larry Fedora getting fired because Fedora and his staff really struggled to beat them head to head on top North Carolina guys, and you know, I. Uh, I think when you're Dave Dorn and you you have Eli Drinkwitz calling your plays, you know you're gonna you're gonna achieve a certain level of success. And then Drink leaves, and uh, they promoted Des, and he probably deserved it, but it just it didn't work out with him and George McDonald calling it. And now their big answer up there is to hire Tim Beck, who you know didn't do such a swell job with Ohio State or Texas. <laughs> so we'll see kind of how that works, but. This isn't inside the wolf pack. Um, and so Des left. And uh, I, I I just think that when you're talking about a guy that, you know, because your running backs coach has to be a recruiter. That That's what it's all about. You know, Bobby Bentley, you know, say what you want about the numbers being unbalanced in the room and all the injuries and stuff like that. You know, Bobby Bentley was one of the best recruiters on the staff. And not just running backs, but he'd go get other guys too. Um, and he still is. But your running backs coach has to be a great recruiter. Thomas Brown, you know, I think did a hell of a job recruiting Marshawn Lloyd and, you know, Zaquandre White and Rashad Amos and these guys. Um, so Thomas Brown, I mean, I think, you know, you, you got to have a great recruiter. So Des Kitchings, to me, um, great recruiter. And North Carolina is a battleground. You know, you, you look at the combined uh, NFL players from the states – 
And if you combine both Carolinas, that, that number's in the triple digits. Um, and it's only behind, like, you know, Georgia and Florida and Texas and California. I think there may be one more. I don't think it's Ohio. Maybe it's Ohio. I don't know. But, you know, if you're talking about both Carolinas, you're talking about a top talent-producing state. It's like being in Louisiana or whatever. Now, you're not the only school like LSU <laughs> or, or maybe even Georgia, though Georgia Tech's kind of coming back a little bit. But, you know, I, 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 that's why I think North Carolina's important because the numbers sometimes in that state go up and then they'll go down. And then South Carolina's up, North Carolina's down. Uh, this cycle for 2021, obviously North Carolina's way up. South Carolina's a little down. Uh, and there's battles to be fought. I mean, look, bottom line, bottom line, uh, Mac Brown and his staff are going to recruit well. I mean, you, you, you can't – like I mentioned Larry Fedora earlier, you know, it's a different ball game in Chapel Hill. And they had a winning season this past year. They turned it around. They beat the Gamecocks. I don't need to remind everybody. Uh, they were a point away from beating Clemson, and then they won their bowl, which for a, a staff in its first year – you know, trying to get from six and six to seven and six, uh, and playing. Quite frankly, Temple Temple's a pain in the butt sometimes to play. I mean, they'll they'll jump up and bite somebody, and Tar Heels rolled them in the Military Bowl. You know, they've got and they got a good young quarterback in Sam Howell. I mean, they've got a lot to sell right now. They get a good staff. So, you know, to me, when you're talking about where can you get players. You know, hiring a guy like Des Kitchings and you combine it with Joe Cox and what he can do in the Charlotte area, uh, you know, the work Kyle Crancis. I mean, you've got a guy that can go get guys. I mean, you know, we talked about Tracy Rocker recruiting. Well, Des Kitchings can go uh, and get Tracy Rocker in the game with some of these big-time D-line recruits. Uh, Des Kitchings can go and get, you know, Bobby Bentley in the game for a top tight end or quarterback, you know, Mike Bobo, whoever. Des Kitchings can go and get Eric Wolford in the game for a top offensive lineman. You know, and, and so that's my pitch with him and why I think for South Carolina, that's the best fit. Now, you know, he's been at Vanderbilt, NC State, and Furman. And that's, you know, a little bit of SEC experience at Vandy, but, you know, he's from South Carolina, so in this state he's going to be able to recruit well. He's from Wagner Sally. I just, you know, I think for South Carolina, when you when you consider what a running backs coach does and his job, you know, it's primarily a recruiting position. And uh, I think that, you know, Des Kitchings is, is the perfect fit. Now, there's another guy, Tommy Robinson from LSU, and everybody's going to think, oh, LSU, oh, gosh, national champions. They're going to poach the running backs coach for the national champions. He's been at LSU, Miami, Southern Cal, Texas, um, all over the country, really. I'm probably missing a few. Uh, he's been in the NFL, older guy, was the recruiting coordinator at LSU. Um, I like him. I've, I can see where he would fit. You know, I think this too, and then so here's the argument for Tommy Robinson: Is Tommy Robinson a guy that can be like Thomas Brown and go recruit running backs nationally and get you two good ones every single cycle? Because I think we've all realized that you know you need guys at running back. You know, you need 
good players at that position, and you need a bunch of them. You know, not not a bunch, but you know, it's good to be four or five deep. Um, and you know, I, I, can he do what Thomas Brown did this past year? Because I, I think we all realize, and and I think the hope is that we'll all realize when Marshawn Lloyd hits the field, you know, this fall, that if you have a great running back, you know, your fortunes on offense are a lot better. Um, and that great running back has to stay healthy. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, bash Rico Dowdle and Tavian Feaster last year or even A.J. Turner and Mon Denson. You know, those guys could not stay healthy. And so that's why you need more than one. And so if Tommy Robinson can bring that to the table, then perhaps you – you know, you go in that direction and you're like, well, you know, you got guys that can allegedly supposed to recruit North Carolina. Now, you know, my argument with that is Tommy Robinson's not a guy like Frank Wilson, who's probably going to head back to LSU and replace him because I don't think he's coming back to LSU. Um, or, uh, you know, Larry Porter, who I remember, um, even Thomas Brown, Brian McClendon when he was at Georgia. You know, not a guy that has that kind of track record going and signing guys. And a lot of the guys he signed are based on, like, where he's been. So is he going to be able to go and win national recruiting battles at South Carolina and beat the big boys, you know, like Thomas Brown did for Marshawn Lloyd? Yeah, got to go beat the big boys. I mean, maybe Georgia and Ohio State and everybody else on Marshawn Lloyd. You know, so if, if he can bring that to the table, and this is up for Will Muschamp to decide, and it's it's a risk, it's a risky proposition either way. I mean, I, I do think this is an important hire because of the recruiting angle. Um, you know, if if you're Will Muschamp and you decide this guy can do that, you know, he's walking in the door with a championship ring, and you know, a lot of experience at a lot of great programs. I will remind you, Lance Thompson walked in the door with a championship ring, multiple championship rings, and a lot of experience at a lot of great programs. Um, and I'm not trying to cast the, you know, he may struggle recruiting on Tommy Robinson, but I've said it before, South Carolina is a unique place. And I think you have to understand, you know, you're at South Carolina and how to make it work by being at South Carolina. I mean, Thomas Brown did that. I mean, you know, he's only there a year, but he definitely did that. John Scott Jr., I think, did that. Of course, he's from the state. You know, will Tommy Robinson be that guy? And if that's the case, if he can keep the running back thing, keep it on, you know, keep it on going, then that's, that's fine. Otherwise, you know, I want a guy that can impact the entire organization on the recruiting trail and help Carolina win some recruiting battles in North Carolina. And to me, that would be Des Kitchings. Um, and and look, I'm, I'm not going to criticize the hire either way. Uh, I think that, you know, with both of them, there, there are keys to them being successful. And, you know, you never know. I mean, I, believe me, I would have never thought Lance Thompson would struggle recruiting like he did. And he's not a bad recruiter. He's never been a bad recruiter. And in a way, just, you know, you hear the win some, lose some. Sometimes you lose some. You know, because of where you're at, um, and because 
you know, you're used to recruiting a certain way at certain schools and selling certain things, and then, you know, you have to kind of sell other things when you're in a rebuilding situation in South Carolina. Um, it's not Lance's fault. It's not Muschamp's fault. It's not South Carolina's fault. It's just one of those things that didn't work out. That's why fit is very important. Look up the road. They don't hire anybody that's not a fit. You know, Todd Bates, who their D-line coach at Clemson, they just won National Recruiter of the Year, came from Jacksonville State. <laughs> you know, you had guys who were like graduate assistants. The, it's their first Power Five job. You know, I think Brandon Streeter was at Liberty. I mean, it, you know, they don't they don't go out and raid other staffs. You know, Dabo hires who Dabo sees fit, and uh, it's worked for them. So I, I think that if you want an example of why fit is important, um, that's important. You know, and, and I think Tracy Rocker. I laid out the reasons why he's a fit. You know, uh, is he a guy that can coach great players? Yes. Uh, is he a guy that can develop great players? Yes. Is he a guy that can take the guy that has big upside but maybe not be a great player yet and turn him into a great player? Yes. All of those things check boxes uh, if, you're the, if you're the defensive line coach at the University of South Carolina. Um, whereas the running backs coach thing has to – I think the running backs coach has to be a great recruiter. I think – you know, if you want him just to do running backs, that's fine. But, uh, you know, at that position, I think it's helpful to be able to recruit other guys too, which is why I would lean towards Kitchings if I were Muschamp. That's my opinion. I'm not going to be critical either way. Um, but if you hire Tommy Robinson, you know, he better be able to go out and get guys. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I question that. I mean, he's gotten guys all over the country. Uh, and like I said, he's coming in the door with some bling. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I'm not going to talk about the other openings just because McClendon is not gone yet. Um, I do think there's processes in place to fill the, the void uh, if and when he goes. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about that. I want to talk about women's basketball briefly. I would encourage you to become a patron of the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast, my former podcast, Keith Alsep's podcast, if you love women's basketball because – he knows it better than anyone else, and he talks about it. I watched the whole game last night. I'm talking about it today because I think it's a good thing for the University of South Carolina. I uh, watched it on television. The atmosphere of the Colonial Life Arena on TV looked outstanding. I, don't, I still don't understand why, you know, for a big women's game, I mean, there's probably reasons why the ticket distribution and all that. Big women's game like that, NCAA for, tournament first and second round, that arena looks like a great venue for college basketball. When the men play, not so much. Still don't get it. Um, hopefully, you know, the Gamecocks men's team wins uh, their share. They're coming up. they got to go 2-0 and this week. And then when LSU comes to town later this month, uh, the, the arena looks like it did last night. Tremendous showcase for the University of South Carolina. Women's basketball matters across the country. Um, is it, does it matter as much as men's basketball? No. Does it matter as much as football? No. But there is a lot to be said, you know, from a publicity standpoint for athletics department and South Carolina and all that, when your women beat UConn like a drum. The UConn women's basketball team, obviously, that's the – that's the gold standard. That's the, the Notre Dame football, Alabama football. That's the Duke basketball, you know, North Carolina basketball, Kentucky, whatever. Um, 
and the Gamecocks beat them like a drum last night. Carolina's got a good team. I mean, the athleticism of these young ladies, Aaliyah Boston, shoot. I mean, how do you how do you stop her? Um, I think Cook is, is a very fast player. And then I think, you know, Harris obviously is very exciting. So this is an exciting team. And the good news is Gamecocks keep on trucking. The SEC tournament's in Greenville. Uh, then you come back to Columbia for first and second rounds, and then you're probably going to be seated where the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight are in Green. It's in Greenville, the Bun Sakuas Wellness Arena, which is a place Gamecock basketball has kind of been successful <laughs> over the years, men and women. Um, and you know, so Carolina has a tremendous advantage there. So we'll kind of see what happens there on the men's side. Obviously, you know, Georgia game is big. You know, Georgia. Better than people think. I don't know that they're playing like you kind of saw Ole Miss start to play better and better. I don't know that Georgia, with the, just the heartbreaking losses uh, to Florida and Bama, that, that you know, I don't know that Carolina's going to get a team that's like ready to get up off the mat. Because um, I, I think those last two games have taken a lot out of them. I could be wrong. South Carolina has to play well. You know, they can't go in there and let Anthony Edwards go crazy. You got to play good defense. Got to play inspired. You know, Mike Coatsard needs to play like he's been playing. Uh, the two guards, Lawson and Cousinard, obviously. Um, and then guys like Frank and, and, and Bryant and McCrary and, and all these cats that sort of fill in, you know, while Justin Manaya is gone, you know, that's going to be important as well. I have a complete preview of that uh, on the morrow. Um, as we get ready for the uh, game at Georgia. You know, South Carolina uh, has been pretty good against Georgia the last couple of years. Um, there was a while there, Carolina kind of was, was struggling with the dogs. I remember 2015-16 where Georgia beat them three times. But um, Carolina the last few years has, has, has done pretty well in that series. You know, they play these guys every single season. And so uh, I think twice. And you got them this week uh, on tomorrow and then two Wednesdays uh, they come in on the heels of that LSU game. So I still think South Carolina, you know, sitting right there in the 70s in the net, beat Georgia, beat Tennessee Saturday. You're going to Mississippi State 8-4, and four, say you drop that, come back, beat LSU, you're 9-5. and five. Then the last four games, Georgia at Bama, Mississippi State at Vandy. Um can you get to 12 and 6? I think that'd put them on the bubble. Get a 13 and 5, I think they're in. Um, depending on the mix of wins, you know, who knows? You know, but you get they do still have some opportunities and, and that old miss game, you know, something tells me old miss is gonna end up uh maybe making a run. I mean, old miss beat the Gamecocks by 14, then they beat Florida. By 17 at home, Florida's kind of sinking a little bit, which surprises me because they got really good players. Um, and then they played their, I guess it would it be the Egg Bowl of basketball. Uh, they play Mississippi State tonight in Oxford. They get a win there. You know, I think they're cooking with grease. Again, can't say enough. And I'll say this about coaches from time to time and teams. I, I think better than the record Ole Miss is, Kermit Davis is a hell of a coach. I felt that way since he was at um, Middle Tennessee State. So, you know, good game, big game tonight 
uh, in Oxford between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. All right. This is J.C. Sherbert. Um, again, we'll be back with a position preview uh, as part of this podcast, as promised. I think we got D-line and running backs left. Um, if you love college football talk, the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast, where Mike Morgan and I uh, will be dropping a episode later today, so that's exciting if you like to listen to that podcast. That podcast during the season comes out once or twice a week. Out of season, it's probably once every 10 to 12 days, especially right now with Mike Morgan, as you know, works for the SEC Network, ESPN, traveling to basketball games all over the Southeast and calling them. He called the Auburn LSU game uh, on ESPN over the weekend. Uh, Great job by my good friend and podcast partner, Mike Morgan. But anyway, if you you want a big overview college football talk, uh, tune in to J.C. and Morgan. Uh, it's right there on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can find J.C. and Morgan. So have yourself a J.C. and Morgan. <laughs> All right. We'll be back uh, tomorrow and later today with some uh, position breakdowns, most likely, either today or tomorrow. And um, don't forget tomorrow, too, it's the Football Insider episode with Tony Morell and I. Uh, we're going to talk about, hopefully, Hopefully some of the hires will be done by tomorrow so Tony and I can break them down, and we know you all enjoy that. Thank you so much for listening to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. This is J.C. Sherbert. Have a great Tuesday, everyone.